Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Age of Empires or a side weekly Age of Empires podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Robert. That's what I go by here, right? Um, and I hope that everyone is doing well. Uh, we had a little bit of technical issues. We tried to get a show in with Chris earlier this week and it unfortunately didn't uh, work out, but that's okay. What I'm going to do, what I'm going to bring to you today is a little bit of a recap um, from some of the Red Bull Wolo matches. We'll go in depth. We'll look at it. We'll talk about it. We'll see. Uh, what we think about it and uh, yeah we'll continue on but first first thing that I want to kind of go over before we do that is uh, coming up on Saturday July 3rd at 1 p.m eastern time we have our very first community tournament and the grand prize the prize that you will win is the title of feudal lord in our discord server now um, I have a couple of names that I'm coming up with for the different kind of tournaments that we're going to be doing shortly Uh, I want to get more of those tournaments in um but the first of these you know the the winner uh will be will be granted the title of feudal lord okay so uh in the discord server does it give you any special powers does it give you anything new anything exciting uh not too much but you do stand out you do stand out it does show that you did win uh a tournament in our in our little community here so i hope you enjoy that on top of that what i'll be posting as well uh kind of with the release of this show um so yeah uh, that that determined July third, one p.m. Eastern time. There's a Twitch li- Twitch link is going to be in the show notes, um, so do not worry. You can catch it if you're awake at that time. Uh, but I also want to see if we can maybe do a tournament for players who are a little even lower rank, you know, than the ones uh, that we're doing the f- this uh, the feudal tournament <laughs> that's coming up this weekend. So um, I'll also be posting into the Discord uh, with the release of this episode um, a checkmark sign up for. Um, July 10th, so next weekend, to see if there's any interested. We'll 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 know uh, pretty quickly whether we'll have enough people interested for the tournament. Um, but yeah, that's kind of uh, our our thing. So there'll be there'll be kind of <clears throat> the about 1050 to uh, 1300 Elo um, tournament this weekend, and we're gonna look from zero to a thousand and forty nine. Uh, so below everything below that, that kind of tournament will be happening. Uh, the following weekend so that's kind of our community update community things that are happening so with that in mind uh we're gonna get into the red bull wololo um four uh so a couple of things before we even start talking about the results i like to talk a little bit about the format the format was empire wars uh for anyone who is not familiar with empire wars it is as follows uh, you start with 27 villagers, 5 are on gold, 11 on wood, 11 on food. You have one scout, you already have loom researched, and you have barracks and blacksmiths available. Um, and resources start at 200 wood, 200 food, 100 gold, and 200 stone. Um, there's some kind of changes with a couple of the uh, bonuses for different sieves, um, but regardless, essentially you are starting at a point where uh, you know things in the game escalate a lot faster, so you'll see some different strategies because you start with more villagers kind of makes sense um but another big thing and another kind of big talk point that a lot of people uh, i've seen definitely on twitter talking about a little bit is the 900 years limit so another thing that red bull did for this tournament is have about essentially 75 minutes in game time limit and if if it goes you know if it goes past that time um whoever has the higher score will win 
Um, and essentially what this does is force the players to play in a, maybe either a slightly more aggressive style, or if you know the time limit's going down, uh, you can probably just defend a little more uh, if you know you have a big resource lead. Um, so it's interesting in that point. Um, there's some interesting maps as well that I'm sure we'll get into uh, as we kind of go through the breakdown. Uh, another, I guess, thing that kind of format, I think, for this tournament, for those of you who watched, um, is that the pick order would be... Uh, sorry, that it was a best of five, and there's you know there's a ban phase for civs and stuff like that. I'm not going to get too much into those details. Um, but I'm sure they were... You know, definitely kind of a mini game within the tournament. Whenever you have map pools as well as um, sieves, choosing which sieves to play, um, you uh, you kind of get those little mini games happening. But uh, uh, yeah, but now we can probably get into things. The first thing we're gonna start with is the group stages. Now, um, I will be. I won't necessarily be going over everything in the group stages, but I I did want to kind of review the predictions that we made uh, last week on them. And so um, from all these predictions, I believe I only got two of them wrong. Okay, so of all these predictions, I believe that I, uh, in group A, Yo and Doubt made it through, which I believe I predicted. In group D, Hera and MBL made it through, which I believe I also predicted. Um, but in group B and C, ACCM made it through and VV did not. Uh, although Chris had convinced me of that, so uh, I don't I don't know if you want to give me an a- asterisk for that. Um, but yeah, no, ACCM made it through instead of Degao and V. Uh, and Vinchester beating out Jordan AoE, which was a big one. And I, I wonder if this one with Vinchester, which I mean, I'll talk about Vinchester's play in a little bit. But I think uh, Vinchester, I don't know if he just had builds prepared for this Empire Wars kind of format or if Jordan AoE was less familiar with it. But it felt like Vinchester came very prepared, and uh, I think his results will speak for themselves. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of the two players that I did not predict going through. Uh, and that brings us to the quarterfinals. Um, one other thing, so sorry, quickly with the group stage here, is the fact that um, Doubt actually barely made it in. Um, had to reverse sweep Nikov. Uh, in the la- in the decider match in Group A, and it's quite quite a match to watch if you get a chance. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> doubt decided. Okay, now 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 I'm really gonna try to uh, to bring it back, and was able to do so. Um, and NBL not a reverse sweep, but did have to beat Viles in a three to two, um, and I believe Chris did choose Viles. So uh, yeah, definitely a close battle for second in those two groups. Quarterfinals, quarterfinals. Um, will be what we'll be focusing on for uh, this solo episode for the most part. The quarterfinals um, were as follows. There's Yo versus Vinchester. There's Leary versus MBL. There's the Viper versus ACCM. And there's Hera versus Doubt. Um, pretty much, well, I think I think this is probably set in stone, but all of the uh, quarterfinals started on Runestones. That's kind of the map in the beginning. Now, Runestones... Uh, was explicitly made for this tournament. Um, if I were to describe the map, it's just kind of a lot, you know, like you have your resources a little bit kind of staggered throughout the map. Um, and it's it doesn't really have any significant features, if that makes sense. It's almost a little 
different from most maps that I'm used to, but Runestone is very much, okay, you're both kind of in this place that has all the resources in patches all over the place, but there's no real set definitive thing. Uh, a lot of times there'll just be a lot of walling around uh, happening uh, because... I mean, like, as, as we'll see with other maps that have very much strategic points that matter a lot more. In this one, it's very much, okay, you get to choose where you want to be, uh, how you want to move around the map. So, the first quarterfinals was Mr. Yo versus Vinchester. The game one started uh, as Mr. Yo was the Tatars and uh, Vinchester was the Ethiopians. This one started out pretty standard. Um with essentially archer and skirmisher skirmishes in the middle of the map um uh and the both kind of the players were using crossbowmen or crossbows to harass villagers um and then it kind of divulged into magnal crossbowmen wars which is definitely an interesting thing because i i i don't think you necessarily can win um a lot of sets but you can definitely lose a lot of sets if you're not paying attention. Like, I feel it's hard to be like, okay, Meganels are definitely going to get a perfect hit. Uh, and we're going to win the battle this way. But you can definitely lose it if you're not paying attention to Meganels taking out crossbows. So that's a big thing that both players were, were uh, kind of playing around. And so you'll see a lot of micro a lot of movement uh, trying to make sure you don't get hit by the Meganel shots. Um, and then there's kind of uh, this point where both... Teams make castles to the left of Mysterio's base. So I believe, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Vinchester kind of uh, sets up on the left side, starts making a castle, and then Mysterio responds. So um, something that you'll see commonly with Vinchester is I think he, if you want to take AoE to its basics of build castles close to enemy base, then build traps, then win, uh, Vinchester does that a lot. And it's it's pretty academic, but it does work a lot. Uh, and so Vinchester does exactly that in this game one. Pressures Yo with the traps. Mr. Yo tries to counterattack, uh, but Vinchester is actually able to also get a castle back up in his home base. Uh, then there's traps in Mr. Yo's base. Um, there's a point where Vinchester also gets a castle on the right side. So um, both, essentially both the outsides of Mr. Yo's base are surrounded by castles. And Vinchester just keeps building castles with traps and wins game number one. So, you know, I I kind of going into this series would predict Mr. Yo just because of his some of his past uh, mistakes, and maybe it's unfair to Vinchester. I think I think I've I've definitely uh, Vinchester opened my eyes a little bit in this tournament to how good he is. Maybe it's perhaps the game type that which favors him the most, but he came very prepared, and um and yeah, you'll kind of see this as we go through, but he. He had a very strong performance in this quarterfinals uh, against Mr. Yo. Game number two was in Greenland. Let me talk a little bit about this map. Uh, Greenland. Greenland? Greenland. <laughs> uh, Greenland is... Essentially, there are two sort of islands on both sides, but they're not really islands because there's a lot of frozen area which you can walk over. Um, so there's two larger islands where both... Uh, both people start uh, both um competitors start off on um however uh the yeah however uh you can you can kind of walk across so it's not it's not as much naval battles although that happens as well so the first thing that immediately happens is there's a fight over the middle island um with 
this kind of kind of these middle like small little islands that are between the two bases um one for control uh i think what i realized later is that it also allows you to get a dock up and not have to worry about it um which gives you kind of a nice advantage so um there's kind of this battle with towers from both sides um mr yo wins the tower ba uh, battle uh against vinchester then uses fire ships to destroy the docks uh oh I, i'm sorry if i don't know if i quite mentioned this but in this particular map um we had uh Byzant mr yo be byzantines and um vinchester be vikings uh so after this so mr yo has a has a central area is controlling it um, but then Winchester starts micring a bunch of galleys against the fire ships and takes control of the lake again. This was pretty cool because usually you associate with fire ships as something that can uh, easily beat out, um, you know, regular galleys. But then you just see kind of a nice stutter step micro right where you shoot, run away, shoot. Um, and just having enough of these kind of grouped up galleys that can uh, shoot down the fire ships is what lets um, Winchester kind of start to take back uh, the control of the lake again. Um, and then on top of that, being Vikings, you know, get the Viking-like uh, longboats out. Vinchester is able uh, to continue putting on the pressure. Um, but then Mr. Yo builds a workshop on Vinchester's side of the map and a castle. Uh, Vinchester kind of tries to do the same, uh, but it's actually a lot later. So um, Mr. Yo kind of seeing that he lost the middle still manages to put up a castle on Vinchester's base. And then... Um, Viking raids, uh, uh, so essentially what, what ends up happening is, is you kind of have this place, this area, so in the second game here where Vinchester controls the middle of the map, Mr. Yo's kind of already in his base because of that castle, um, and there's more offensive castles going up, there's Viking raids happening in Mr. Yo's base, there's Trebs in both bases, but Mr. Yo destroys castle near his base, so... Mr. Yo was able to destroy the castles which Vinchester had put up uh, near Mr. Yo's base, and that actually lets him then keep that pressure on and win the game. So they're tied one and one going into game number three of this first quarterfinals. Next map happens on Northern Isles, and it's the Incas versus the Japanese. So uh, Mr. Yo is the Japanese in this case, and um, Incas is uh, Winchester's. Winchester is playing. Incas. Now, big thing about Nor Northern Isles, um, this map is, I you kind of see this in all the quarterfinals, which I'll get to uh, as we go through this uh, recap episode, but Northern Isles is is your, your typical kind of big island map, right? So both teams spawn on their own big island, and then there's the central island in the middle that has a little bit of gold. Um... And so you might think like that gold in the middle is important, but I think in all the games that I see on it, it becomes somewhat relevant in, in the later quarterfinals, but it isn't really anything that is fought over, I guess. Um, more than anything, there's a certain strategy which uh, you'll see employed in this game, which it, it, it almost makes its own little storyline with this map in the later games that players use. But Vinchester, early on, uh, gets a transport ships and brings it into Mr. Yo's base. Now, Mr. Yo doesn't do the same thing, um, and immediately Vinchester puts on the pressure and gets a barracks up. Uh, so remember, uh, Vinchester is Incas, so there's a whole bunch of eagle warriors that are coming out. Uh, and 
Eagle Warriors and battering rams uh, and putting immediate pressure near Mr. Yo's base. So so that was essentially Vinchester's strategy. Get that transport ship, get get a villager, get some Eagle Warriors and start uh, attacking uh, Mr. Yo, putting on pressure. The way Mr. Yo responds to this is, well, one, trying to defend all the Eagle Warriors in his base. But the second thing that he does is uh, begin to harass fishing ships. That's kind of Mr. Yo's response. So you'll see what kind of happens is Mr. Yo does take over uh, for large parts of this game, kind of the naval, you know, water battle, but um, that isn't enough for him to be able to, to actually win the game. However, uh, Mr. Yo does use Japanese infantry, uh, which I believe have a bonus, uh, so they're, they're, they tend to be a little stronger to take out the Eagle Warriors. Um, but then there's a moment where uh, Vinchester responds with Slingers and Mangonels putting on pressure. Um, and one thing I noted here is during this match, a lot of the things that are happening in the game are very much on Mr. Yo's island, right? So Vinchester, yes, some of some of his you know fishing ships are being harassed, but most of the action is happening on Mr. Yo's side, and it is actually swinging back and forth, especially when you look at the um, the villager or, or the army count. It's very similar on both sides. Um, so it is just because Vinchester is putting a lot of pressure doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win it. Um, but there is something kind of speaking to the economic advantage advantage where Vinchester has at 1.4 TCs while Mr. Yo only has two. That being said, their villager account is still pretty similar. So that is interesting. Um, there is a point, uh, that Mr. Yo is able to get infantry into Vinchester's base just to kind of distract him a little bit, but it's cleaned up pretty quickly. Uh, there is a castle that is built in Mr. Yo's base and slowdowns Vinchester, um, progress. They have a good back and forth. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, Mr. Yo controls water, um, but eventually, you know, uh, Vinchester gets a castle up on Mr. Yo's island, starts hitting him with traps, and takes it out. Vinchester wins, and now Vinchester is ahead two to one. Once again, Vinchester showing that his kind of castle pushes, it's it's mostly the like I say, it's academic, right? Um, but it's very much the central idea of how he wins games. We'll see in other in the other quarterfinals how different some strategies could be how uh how different players approach them differently but vinchester in particular is someone where it's like okay i've gotten a little bit of economically maybe i put a little bit of pressure now let's build castles let's play the treb wars next map is game number four it is on ring fortress so this is a weird one i feel sometimes um instead of having like a full wall just has a bunch of random like palisade walls um that that are uh, <laughs> built up in and around they are in a circle shape but they don't completely block everything out uh and this one i'm going to boil down pretty quickly pretty easily um mr yo essentially gets a lot of night pressure as early as possible gets nights as early as possible and wins it pretty pretty handily um with mangonels as well um so that that's really game number four so i'm not going to spend too much time on that but it brings up to game number five so this is probably I think one of the best series in the quarterfinals. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mr. Yo and Vinchester make it to game number five. The winner of this going through the semis. And do remember, um, that is a difference. So if we compare the quarters to the semis, right? That's already double the prize pool. Um, so it's, uh, you're going from 1250 to $3,000 US um, just by winning this. So pretty pretty big series from the money standpoint, but also from a, a notoriety and standing out standpoint um you want to make sure your top four you know if you get top four if you get finals um it's definitely remembered when you get quarterfinals 
especially if you're a player that's well known already um not a lot of people are going to see it as <laughs> as a uh, accomplishment in itself so really big game here game number five is on acclivity it is franks versus celts so um celts ubisoft plays celts and uh vinchester plays franks now let's talk about acclivity so i, I do kind of want to go over some of these maps as we're going through acclivity's a little more standard more than anything it is uh it <laughs> there's a little bit of hills but it's it's also kind of shaped in the same way i would say as runestones it's just runestones with like some elevation um so i guess it does give like a distinct place to maybe place uh castles or or kind of try to control different areas um however i think from all the different maps like you know some other maps where where control is so important so or sorry specific strategies can be very unique uh this one is very much open to the players themselves um <laughs> i know it as well uh during this game number five going into it that vinchester's face is very emotive um so like mr yo is concentrating the whole time very very like you know calm concentrated but mr yo uh, sorry uh, vinchester every uh, every series reacts in a pretty big way um so this game starts with mr yo putting scout pressure on early uh and you have a very interesting kind of uh setup where mr yo has skirmishers and scouts and it's against archers scouts and pikemen from vinchester and this is one of the things that i start to notice more and more um just because if you have like a sieve that's either typically you know quote unquote a archery sieve or quote unquote a um you call it cavalry sieve right um what i noticed in a lot of these games that it makes sense to to have different sets of units to kind of combat what the other person is doing and so a lot of these players will sometimes have three four different sets of units just for that particular phase of the game it's not like they're getting upgrades for it it's not like they're necessarily going down that tech tree but because there's certain counters right they'll, they'll just throw it maybe for one period of the game certain units so i thought that was interesting um, both teams end up getting knights out and both teams have two tcs so this fifth game is quite close uh, there's a point mr yo builds a siege workshop um, and there's a kind of fight over a castle in front of Winchester's base. The castle goes up, and Mr. Yo has to retreat. So, yeah, Mr. Yo is hoping to put on some pressure with a siege workshop, but uh, Winchester built a castle right beside him. They fought over it, and he was able to get it. Uh, Winchester gets a second castle up near uh, Mr. Yo's third TC, and then a third castle up as well. Um, this is kind of a point where, once again, so you're, you're seeing that strategy from Vinchester where there's a constant stream of castles, always focusing on building castles and controlling the map. In that case, Mr. Yo's response is actually use the outsides. So uh, Mr. Yo is, you know, getting resources from the outsides of the map. Uh, this particular map, because of a, because it's acclivity, because it has those kind of slopes, oh, sorry, those cliffs on the outside, um, is, you know, is, is favorable. However eventually treb and clash <laughs> as vinchester does treb and castle pressure wins in the game and so vinchester advances to the semifinals. so that was uh probably the one of the biggest quarterfinal series in the tournament um <laughs> i went through went through a couple of pages of notes just for that one so um i very much enjoyed it uh and i think it was a well-deserved victory from vinchester my, my question is is this strategy you know enabled by this empire war format um is this something that you know vinchester does naturally in his normal games anyway 
Um, regardless, it's it, it kind of feels like... If I were to describe Winchester's play, it's very much win in the most standard way. At least, at least that's what it looked like to me. But, you know, it worked. Trebs and castles and winning those Treb castle wars and putting on that castle pressure before the opponent can do anything worked for him. And now we go into uh, the next game in the series, which is Viper versus ACCM. Once again, ACCM making it through despite our predictions. Um, although uh, ACCM has some... Gr- I-, I-, I like ACCM's style. Um, I don't know if it kind of works on that top six of the world, you know, top eight, shall we say, on the world all the time. Um, but it's a lot of fun to watch, so I keep that in mind. Game number one is, once again, on Runestones. And uh, ACCM in this uh, versus Viper here, ACCM uses Aztecs while uh, Viper uses the Britons. ACCM puts an uh, starts by putting out an eagle pressure, uh, but Viper uses archers and crossbowmen to stop him. Um, but in response, scorpions and mangonels were made by ACCM to try to uh, counter crossbowmen. Scorpions are very interesting to me because it seems like a lot of players bring them out, especially to counter archers. I was learning a lot about the game, I feel, as I was watching. But uh, scorpions are used especially to counter the archers in a lot of scenarios. And I think it's because of the way archers naturally stack. When you're trying to shoot a target, you naturally line up in, a, in the straight lines. And so scorpions are quite effective. And plus, you can be a little further. You can kind of shoot them and run away a little bit. So uh, I think it's an interesting counter, but it definitely uh, works well. Viper then uses knights to buffer for archers. So Viper has an archery sieve, but the knights are kind of used as buffers. Um, and then also just a lot of stutter stepping. So anyone who doesn't know, stutter stepping is essentially you have your crossbowman, you shoot, you move back, you shoot again, right? And you keep doing that. And so what this allows is one, it doesn't let the uh, the me- melee, right? The the you know whether it's knights, whether it's infantry, it doesn't let it get on top of your archers. Um, it keeps kind of it doesn't let them get that big surface area, so they can start doing a lot of damage. Um, and it avoids a lot of damage, right? Keeping moving back slightly. Uh, can get you into a better position where you can perhaps maybe hide behind a wall, find a little nook and cranny to hide in. Um, And this is probably one of the big reasons Viper does really well. Um, There's also one thing I noticed immediately, Viper likes to have way more TCs than his opponent. There's three to one town centers at one point. Um, Knights hunt down Magnals and Archer clean up, right? That's another big thing that when it comes to Viper's strategy is, yes, the Knights are a little bit of a buffer for his Archers, but on top of that, what he'll do is he'll get three, maybe four Knights, and all they do is get the Magnals, right? Get the Magnals out of here um, so I don't have to worry about microing them, and then once the Knights get those Magnals down, uh, the Archers can clean up because really that kind of splash damage, the AoE damage is the biggest threat to... um, uh, two uh, Vipers archers. Uh, uh, Vipers also winning a lot of fights. We all kind of see in this game is there's actually a lot of holes in Vipers walls, but it's okay because Viper kind of uses them on purpose to funnel infantry units. Right, they have less of a surface area to attack his archers, and he keeps using that star step, keeps backing up and shooting, and he just runs to his TCs. And this way, he kind of wins fights in like the most, <laughs> those kind of long. Uh, what's the, uh, you know, death of a thousand cuts kind of way, uh, continues to back up, pick apart uh, the units and wins them that way. There's also a point in here where some of you may have seen it, the clips on Twitter, um, but there's a point where you think, you know, you think uh, ACCM's uh, units are going to get away, but then Viper builds two palisade gates and traps them completely and the archers just rip them apart. Um, and that's how Viper wins game 
number one here in this quarterfinals. Game number two, uh, also Northern Isles, which if we remember uh, in the last series, right, with Vinchester, Vinchester pushed um, his units, uh, pushed his units, like his villager right away onto the other island. So this is the map with the two islands on, on either side and the little island in between the two. Um, I need to use a transport ship and Vinchester was able to get immediately pressure Mr. Yo in the previous series. In this one, both the players do Vinchester's strategy. So early transport ships from both. Um, they're both building on opponent's islands. Uh, and ACZM uses archers and scouts to harass and actually just wins with it. So uh, a quick win. Um, so unlike the Mr. Yo Vinchester series, both the players decided to use the strategy, yet ACCM was more effective, immediately put on pressure. It seemed like Viper wanted to have that strategy but maybe build up a little more right i think viper was hoping to build up a little bit more even on that island um and accm just started to harass and it was at a point where viper couldn't really do anything um and one thing that i'm noticing as well is like when it comes to her you know harassing units um archer sieves are so nice for the fact that you don't have to worry about walls you can just keep harassing right while if you're kind of doing scout rushes then you know a lot of these players will build up walls so that's kind of the nice thing about them and then we move on to, uh, so that was, sorry, that was Japanese versus Italians. And now we move into game number three on the mountain range, which is Mayars versus uh, the Byzantines. Oh, sorry, Mayans. Mayans. It's my writing's really, uh, <laughs> I wrote this all actually on, on paper. <laughs> so my writing's really messy. I can't even read it. But yes, we have the Mayans versus the Byzantines in game number three on mountain range. I think this is the first time that mountain, I saw mountain range. In the quarterfinals here. Um, as for those who don't know, mountain range is kind of literally what you would think. Uh, there is just a mountain range <laughs> dividing the two sides. Uh, this game starts off with scout pressure from ACCM, scouts and skirmishers. Uh, but uh, Viper kind of counters with archers and spearmen. Um, and then... <laughs> Oh, and I also note here that there's a point where, uh, in order to, you know, the skirmishers from ACCM, one of them gets killed by a bear. I don't know if Viper hit the bear and the bear followed the skirmisher, but yes, a skirmisher died because of a bear. It was wild. Um, and there's a point that ACCM wants to continue attacking with the skirmishers, keep putting on the pressure, but scorpions are used to kind of, once again, you know, a good counter to those range units. Scorpions are used to make ACCM back off. Um, another thing I note here as well is Viper continues to always be ahead on town centers uh but actually pretty close in villager count and that seems really bizarre to me i don't know what that means is that like if you lose a lot of villagers you can rebuild them um i, I like i really don't know you know usually i would assume you'd have more villager count but he doesn't that that really does confuse me so maybe if someone uh wants to talk in our discord about why that is and why I mean, it's definitely an advantage, but it seems weird that he doesn't have more villagers. Like, does he stop building villagers with those extra villagers? Or is the build, like, to get those TCs, you have to delay villagers? I don't know. Um, but, kind of, in this map, ACCM starts by building a castle in the middle of the map, kind of taking control. Um, but, unfortunately, Viper gets Trebs first, destroys the castle in the middle of the map. Uh, then Plume Archers versus Skirmishers and Trebs in the middle of the map, and Viper wins by taking out the castles. Uh, and plume archers are very good at taking out specific targets um, and en masse. So uh, they're uh, using Mayans 
Viper takes game number three. Then they go into game number four on Lowland. Uh, which, as the name implies, is both of you are on opposite sides and there's this lower land area. <laughs> Simple enough. Um, this game, it's also Berbers versus Chinese. So um, Viper plays as Berbers. Um, and there's both scout harassed from both teams. And then camels from both teams. And this one's really weird because all of a sudden, you know, they're fighting over relics. They're fighting over the little of the map. Uh, but castles in this game are used for control instead of pressure. So the big kind of thing about game number four is both teams kind of decide almost like they're not going to attack each other. Um, there's also like a million different units. Not that they're not going to attack each other, but there's not like really kind of, you know, pressure. It's like they set up walls in, in, in like lines of castles outside um uh and there's a point where it's hussars and camels against from viper against chukanus from accm uh and yeah viper's able to win by using bomber cannons and eventually getting rid of the castles kind of in the middle there um but yeah i think it was interesting that like the ca- when, when you look at vinchester castles right i'm just gonna compare this to vinchester games like all of his castles are usually pretty aggressive right but in these ones and maybe to a detriment some of these castles were built kind of further back just to defend um and i think when you put viper in a 50 50 game most of the time he'll come out on top so there you go viper making it through to the semis so we have viper and vinchester through Next was an interesting series between Leary and MBL. Uh, once again, game number one on Roostops. Uh, but pretty standard openings from both. Uh, MBL has skirmishers and crossbowmen versus crossbowmen with mangonels from Leary. Um, and so, yeah, MBL is playing Chinese in this one and Leary is playing Koreans. Lots of pressure from Leary. Skirmishers in Leary's back line kind of doing some damage uh, to the villagers. Um but eventually, Leary has upgrade advantage and gets to Imperial Age. Um, Mongonels are keeping MBL alive versus these crossbows, and MBL delies castles. But this is a game where Arbalests take over. So once those fully upgraded cross- crossbows and Arbalests are in MBL's base, it's pretty much set and done. Arbalests and Trebs means Leary wins game number one. Game number two on a, a, a Clivity. Um, and it. Uh, MBL plays if he opens in this one and uh Leary plays uh Leary plays Aztecs. Leary goes Eagle Scouts and gets a bunch of villagers, but gets cleared out by, by MBL's archers. MBL then sets up towers and continues to push with archers. Leary tries to counter uh with Eagle Warriors. Uh but then actually goes down and takes down the tower. So there's this point in this game where Leary was like, okay, I need to put harass. There's like a whole bunch of towers that MBL has put in front of my base. But then he kind of changes his mind. He's like, wait, no, I have enough villagers and eagle warriors to actually take care of it. And he does. Takes out all those towers. Um, and then with Manganos, he's actually able to push back MBL's archers. And Leary cleans up the army. And that's when MBL taps out. Game number three from their series is on Ring Fortress. So this is once again the weird wall one. Game starts with Scout Harass. MBL keeps scouts alive. There's this really cool, like, MBL kept these, like, four or five scouts alive and continue, you know, picking out villagers one by one, just being very, very annoying on the working line. Uh, Leary goes into horse archers, and MBL then goes into camels. So, once again, always interesting to me to see so many varieties in units, but perhaps it was because it was Indians versus Tatars. Uh, MBL has five DCs to Leary's three at one point. 
Um, both players end up kind of mackering up. This is definitely a stalemate match as well. Um, and I'll say this was the craziest thing. MBL had 145 villagers at one point, and I was just confused. I'm like, is that a good strategy? I don't know. But um, eventually MBL goes elephant archers and pushes with them and wins the game. So there's a nice elephant archer push with Trebs. Uh, but I think uh, the, this one was interesting because MBL just had so many villagers that it was like, okay, elephant archers and just replace the elephant archers. Uh, and that goes into game number four on Frigid Lakes with Celts versus Mayans, where Lyra takes control of the middle uh, with fire ships and then harasses scouts. Lyra adds archers and continues to attack. MBL does reestablish his docks. So this was an interesting thing because MBL kind of felt like Okay, after that beginning, you can you can look at MBL. You're like, oh no, it doesn't look like he's gonna make it out. Um, but he has does again his uh, scout, uh, sorry docks back up. But with knights coming in, that's actually when Leary takes it. And so Leary, probably one of the favorites in this tournament, uh, pushes through and makes it to the semis. So in the semis so far, we have the Viper, Leary, and Vinchester. And then we had a game with Hera versus Doubt. <laughs> um, I can. Hera is unbelievable and it's not when you watch Hera it's not the strategies that impress you it's the creativity of small groups of units and using them to the maximum efficiency um like for instance uh Hera starts with a scout harass and then there's these archer versus archer rose wars um but Hera is just like every single battle if there's a way Hera gets an edge she does get it um, and on top of it, the second thing that really surprised me about Hera is he is up 20 villagers. And I don't know how workers, workers or villagers, uh, I don't know how he does this, but he continues to do this throughout the series, just being way more up in villagers. And I don't know if it's because of his harass or his macro is just that good. Um, uh, and essentially, yeah, there's just manual archer wars in this one and Hera comes out on top. This is the kind of, you know, these are the kind of matches where I think Hera will always always be able to uh to defeat you it's like oh we're doing the same strategy and it's just about micro okay heroines like it's kind of how i felt about this one not that doubt is bad by any means um but it seemed at least especially on this day that hero was a lot better game number two on greenland remember this is the one with the icy water uh, so you can have you know regular running units and you can also have ships on it um but it starts off with that you know big tower villager fight in the middle of the map uh, but this one, Hera wins, and instead of, like, the other series on Greenland, uh, just kind of pushes him back with Fire Ship. Uh, Doubt loses docks on the lake, and then uh, Hera gets Knights of Scorpions and just takes it. Um, so quick in game number two in the quarterfinals here. And that goes into game number three in the Northern Isles. Once again, right, Northern Isles, if we remember, this is a map where the, f- the first quarterfinals we looked at Vinchester went had that secret kind of bring your bring your uh, villager to the base tactic and it worked and it won it through that. The second one, both teams did it, and I was kind of curious. I'm like, is Doubt and uh, Hera in this last quarterfinals on this map? Are they also going to take a transport ship, bring those villagers in, and take over the game? That is not what happens. Uh, instead, it's just a focus on fishing ship and harassment. By the way, uh, in this game number three, Hera was. Mayans against Doubt's uh, Spanish. Uh, uh, Doubt eventually gets harassment with conquistadors, 
Um, but yeah, there isn't actually that, you know, bring your, bring your villager and build a base in their island. No, that doesn't happen in this game, surprisingly enough. Um, but, uh, there's another thing that I need to take note right away in this map. And it's the fact that Hera once again, somehow has way more villagers, um, and double the TCs just continuously outperforming from an economic standpoint. Um, however, Doe does get a castle up on Hera's island. Uh, but plume archers kind of help Hera deny that castle. Hera then clears the island. Um, but then the game kind of goes into a stalemate. Uh, and we see Doubt getting castle in that middle area with that golden stone. Um, but that's not really the important part. The more important part than anything from this game is that both teams build up. Uh, and they just build large naval armies. Doubt actually has the advantage early on. Has all the fire ships. But eventually... Uh, Hera kind of mixes in at first just uses war galleys but then decides to mix in fire ships as well and is able to eventually after this long naval battle uh, win um, also a bit of things that like he does to make sure that he wins it is he you know he has a couple extra ships that go around and take out a lot of the coast on doubts uh, main island um, and Another interesting thing that happens in this one is trebs are being used to fire at ships, which is wild to me. I don't think I've ever seen trebs being fired at uh, naval ships. But to be fair, there's also like a hundred of them on the on the map, so uh, maybe it's easier to hit that way. Maybe also in that final age with the upgrades, it's able to do. Uh, but yeah, Hera just eventually kind of takes over and starts winning battle after battle and wins the series with a quick 3-0, and Hera makes it through. So that leads us to the semifinals, which. I will not be covering this episode. Uh, I think uh, the quarters are are good for this episode to cover all the quarterfinals. Um, I think what I'd like to do is is uh, do a separate episode for the semis and the finals. I know there's the drama of Viper, which we'll get into. Um, I know that uh, <laughs> I know that it's an amazing finals I'd like to get into, but I'd like to save that for another episode, possibly with Chris. Um, but if not, kind of in the same format. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna leave out here in the semifinals of the the Red Bull Wool Low Tournament. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the, kind of the recaps, looking a little bit at the strategies on these different maps. And if you enjoy this solo show, uh, let me know if you think there's anything I could do better, especially with the lo- solo show where I don't have anyone to bounce off of. Please also let me know. Um, although part of me feels like spiritually we've returned to the origins of this podcast with me doing a solo show, uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so final announcements, just the recap. Um, we're going to do, I'm going to have another recap show for the semis and the finals, uh, hopefully coming out sometime, you know, within, within the week, within next week. Um, and as well, reminder that Saturday, July 3rd at 1 PM Eastern time. So that's Eastern Canadian time. Um, we will have our very first tournament. So please, you know, click the link below and, and, uh, check that out. Um, it will be just me though. So do realize the production will be what it is. Uh, and then, uh, what we will also have is, uh, July 10th. We'll possibly try to set up a, a second tournament for our kind of low ELO players. All right. Uh, so I hope, I hope those of you who are there join us and yeah, we'll end it with that. Uh, have a good one. We'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.